What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think that uh, you're going to be blown away by this interview because I'm very excited to talk to her. Um, I am here with Shannon Dunn from The Thrive Factor. Shannon Dunn is a super creator, visionary thinker, liberation-loving, inspiration-seeking, chai devotee, stand-up paddleboard addict. Shannon is an international award-winning businesswoman, retreat leader, and regularly sought out as a keynote speaker. She's Amazon's best-selling author of The Thrive Factor, Unlock Your Effortless Success Zone, a book introducing women to the archetypal, can't say that in the morning framework. Yeah, you did well. Yay! <laughs> Changing the way they interact with themselves and the world. Shannon coaches, mentors, teaches, and cheers dynamic adventurous women who are true hashtag thrive seekers to connect with their innate thrive factor archetypes and their unique permission giving activation to stop holding back and own the space they are here to occupy. Shannon has been championing with championing women thriving as the cornerstone of her work for over 14 years and expanded thriving woman revolution in 2019 with thrive factor school, where she teaches coaches the art of archetypal, archetypal profiling using the thrive factor framework. Shannon, you did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all those you big know, words. Like, that, you start saying <laughs> a word and you're like, that's not the right. And it just, it's like, I know. I have a reputation for putting words into bios and intros and things, not deliberately. It's just words I use to describe things, but oh. I have a reputation for tripping people up when they're reading them out. <laughs> so you're welcome to the club, Megan. <laughs> I, I passed. I passed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's so good to be here with you. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to talk to you. You are such an inspiration and I'm so glad that my listeners get to talk to you today. I I love, you know, Shannon and I met in a mastermind and I love her energy. I love your story. I can't wait to have everybody hear your story. Um, shit, like where do you want to start? Fine. I was going to ask you the same thing. Where do you want me to start? Like, I don't know. Where is the beginning? I'm right? not really sure. So, yeah, you know, as we said, the, you you asked me to share some key things that you wanted, yeah. you know, to focus on. And I love that we've already said that that may not happen. <laughs> we'll just go with the flow, <laughs> which is fine. But I can talk about anything to do with business and women thriving 100%. And, you know, just by doing that, the Thrive Factor is something that I will end up talking about. So, 
There's yeah. our tail. I know, so, joined by my cat. Yeah, <laughs> so for those of you that can't see the visual. <laughs> so I guess let's start with when you you decided that you were going to give it a go with the Thrive Factor full time. Like, where? Mm. What was the uh, the origin story for that? Yeah, well, there's actually two sides to my business, and the Thrive Factor is the, I guess the the side that really is now the main underpinning of everything that I do. And it's not necessarily it's sort of a, a separate business, but it sort of is in some regards with the launch of Thrive Factor School last year in the certification program for, for women who are coaching and working with women in in various different ways as a business. Um, so my my first business I started, you know, well, I'm in my 15th year now, Creative Possibility Consultancy. So is that where it sort of all started? And over a decade ago, I started to see the patterns of behavior, um, mindset stuff, belief systems, results in the women that I was coaching at the time. And, you know, I, my background is, is quite diverse and varied. And from the perspective of being a, a coach, I'm also a qualified counselor and an art therapist. And I've spent a lot of time studying Jung's work, so Carl Jung, and that's where the love of archetypes comes from. So I was that nerdy teenager when everyone else was out going, having fun, reading Carl Jung's work, <laughs> learning about archetypes and myth and story. And it's no surprise I love to travel and, you know, get out there in the world and actually see things and be a part of, of stuff. So as I was starting to see these different patterns coming up, I was like, I need to just start documenting this and see what is going on here. And that was the very first sort of, I guess, notes I took that then became 12 archetypes which then over time have morphed from, I used to call them personal leadership leadership archetypes because I really didn't have a sexier name for them back then. And that's what they're all about, is about personal leadership and getting to know ourselves, getting to understand our strengths, be aware of our potential challenges and what to do with all of that. And then I would say it's about three years ago now, I was literally on a retreat in Bali, which is not far. I might live in Perth in West Australia, so it's about three hour, three and a half hours flight from me, so really close. I go up there regularly when we can travel in the world. I usually run my own business retreats up there, but anyway, that's that'll come back one day. And I was up there and I literally just had a massage and I was just like, I literally saw the cover of my book as it ended up becoming and I saw the name, The Thrive Factor, and went, that's exactly what I do. That's exactly what these archetypes are about. And I had been talking for a long point to that, a long time to that point around the fact that everything that I did with all of my clients, all the teaching I do, it was all about working with women so that they could create a dynamic where things were easier. So that's the effortless success zone and that they would be able to set themselves up for optimal thriving, whatever their definition of thriving was. I'm like, yes, that's it. These 12 archetypes are your thrive factor. That's and that's how it's just all morphed into where it is now. So that's part of the, you know, I guess the convoluted version of the, the origin story with it. But it literally the Thrive Factor framework as it stands and the 12 archetypes within that is the first step in anything anyone does with me. So if you work with me one-on-one, you do a program of mine, you join my membership, it's just it's just embedded into everything because it is the thing that will unlock the effortless success zone for women. That's fascinating. I love Jung, actually. He was the reason mm. that I did. My degree was bullshit, but it was, 
Uh, it was a concentration on psychology, sociology, and history. And mm. Jung was like, he was my guy. Yeah, big, yeah, like, big part of it. Hmm? Yeah, it would have been a big part of what you were studying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I think my favorite was abnormal psych. That was my favorite class. It was a really hard class, but just so fascinating. And so like, I don't know. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So effortless success. I want to talk about yeah. the, the, the origin of that and mm -hmm. how you feel like people can plan for that and reach effortless success. But first, what do you mean by effortless success? Yeah, it's a good place to start because my, I have had various interactions over the years of people going, oh, but, it, you know, it's not easy. I'm like, I'm not ever saying that the effortlessness or being effortless comes without effort. And the word effort is a key part of this whole equation here. And I am never going to suggest that business particularly can be easy all the time, but it can be a hell of a lot easier than we make it out to be and that we allow it to be. One of the biggest barriers I see to things being more effortless is that we either don't know who we are or we deny who we are and we we'll, we follow other people's guidance and things, but we follow it blindly. So we get lost in all of the the formulas, the, 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 the six secrets to success and all the things that we get taught as entrepreneurs and as business, business women, business owners. No matter where we are in the world, here you and I are like halfway around the world from each other and we can we still understand the same dynamic of that. So the effortlessness comes when you can truly know who you are and when you use what I call the personal leadership principles and the, by definition I look at personal leadership as it's the choices you make and the action you take in response to those choices is the way that you lead your life in your business. When you can get to a point of truly knowing your strengths, whether that be through my framework, the Thrive Factor or some other type of framework, but something that is, is I guess, founded in, in, grounded in psychology that you can actually rely on. It's not just, you know, sort of a, you know, I, um, um, I'm just trying to think, you know, there's so many personality quizzes and things out there that have got no merit. They're not grounded. They're not got any science behind them. You want to use something that's actually tangible and, and you know, reliable. So when you can get to know your strengths and you actually choose to use those every day, things get easier. You know, a strength is something that you might be good at, but that's not the key thing. We often get taught that strengths are the things that come naturally to us and that we're really good at. And that is part of the definition of a strength, but a true definition of a strength is when you something comes naturally to you or comes easier to you, but it also energizes you and makes you feel great as opposed to we're just good at something that's not necessarily strength that makes you feel terrible. Mm. That's not a strength. That's just something you learn to be good at. I love that, that distinction. I think that's so true. Yeah. So like, Oh, you're good at this. So do, but I don't like this. I'm good yeah, at exactly. it. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. It makes me feel terrible. Like I, it's the last thing I want to do just cause I can do it. Doesn't mean that I want to do it. Doesn't make me feel good. So the way that I've defined the 12 individual archetypes in the Thrive Factor framework is that I've looked at them as their, I guess their core, the way they express themselves in the world. I've defined strengths and I've also defined what I call potential challenges. 
the potential word is really key because in an individual profile, so if we profile you, Megan, we may discover that you've got, say, four or five archetypes of those 12 that make up your actual profile. So by defining the archetypes individually, some of those things that are potential challenges may be present for you with that archetype, but they also may not exist because of the other archetypes you have. Yeah, and I also didn't want to set something up where women were like, oh, I'm going to have all these terrible things happen to me and these <laughs> challenges are going to be so bad. It's even why I use the, the word strengths and potential challenges instead of light and shadow because of my background, you know, with therapy and the different study that I've done. I found so often that the word shadow got such a bad rap and an automatic assumption that it meant negative and bad. Mm-hmm. And yet when we can embody our shadow with our light, we become whole. You know, we can't, you know, it's not about one without the other. And the, often, the, if you really want to look at it, the brighter the light, the bigger the shadow. Yeah. Love that. So, so true. So, you want to work with all of that. So, when you are, when you know who you are and you understand those, those strengths and you're choosing to use them, this is when you can set yourself into being in the state of psychological flow. Yeah. So when we're in a state of flow, things become easier. We could do them all day long. We feel good about them. We become magnetic. You know, we attract in good things. This is going way beyond law of attraction type stuff. And I, you know, years ago, I looked at it and went, you know what? There is a whole law of effortlessness here. There is this whole ease. And again, and again, comes down to, you know, what? I'm going to choose an easier path here. This isn't saying someone's going to take a lazy path. It's just saying, you know what, I'm not going to subscribe to the, this is going to be really hard and I'm not going to be able to do it. Just changing the way that we're thinking. And I love to challenge the way that we think and believe about ourselves and others. And that's a long, long part of it behind the effortless success zone. That's so brilliant. And I love that. I think you're hitting on so many things that I think, people just inherently take for granted you know things like you said this is my strength so this is what i should do more of but i i hate it and it doesn't make me feel good but this is what i'm told i should be doing so i'll do it and you know i heard this phrase like stop shooting yourself it's just (laughs) so much so you know this is live in december and we're talking about planning for 2021 i feel like Mm. a lot of people are coming out of a really rough year of yeah just 100 percent. no matter where we've been and you and i talked about this before we started recording yeah. no matter where you you are in the world things have been tough and not like any of us expected where yeah. do you think people should start like what what do you feel like is the lowest barrier of entry that people should start into finding their effortless success zone okay so I think getting really clear on the things that you love to do is a good starting point. So yeah, I can say straight up, come and do your Thrive Factor profile. In fact, you can take an assessment and work out what one of your core archetypes is. The whole, as I said, the whole entire profile could be three, four, five, six archetypes, even depending on the nation, the notion of the archetypes you have. But pre doing all that, just get really clear on the things that you love to do that make you feel really good, that you could do all day, every day. Like, you know, this is when you're in that state of psychological flow. Things feel good. They they feel easier to do. You Time passes really quickly. Like the, the chatter in our brain that's, you know, interrupts our thought processes and 
the the poor self-talk that we can often have doesn't happen you know we've all got something that we can do though often uh, athletes artists particularly understand this very quickly so you know the run is high when people that i don't run but people talk about it apparently it's real <laughs> you know so that that whole like you're in you know all your endorphins are running you know a, a, you know chugging along you're doing really well but people that paint people you know singers dancers anyone that's expressed themselves in a creative artistic creative way they would talk about it and one of the things i love to do in my sort of downtime is that i do paint so i know this very well and as a little girl i you know i've got four archetypes in my own profile three of them are very intellectual i spend a lot of time in my head i'd rather not <laughs> it's how i'm wired so i know that now but one of the archetypes I have is called the visionary creator. And one of the clearest ways, or the, I guess the most powerful ways for my vision to stay clear and for me to trust and work with that vision is to be doing something that involves creative expression. And I've been painting since I was tiny, you know, a little toddler probably when I first had a first set of, of paint of some sort. And as I then went to school and I got into the whole intellectual type aspects of who I was, I would then often have meltdowns, which I now know is a response that is, I can um, blame my liberator engineer archetype for that. Very intense processes, she's very analytical, she can get very overwhelmed with what she's doing. Her core value is freedom, but the engine, which is the liberator part of it, the engineer can is the source of creating that freedom, but she can also over-engineer things. So she makes things far too complex and you know, over-processes things. And my mum, trusting all her intuition, would say, you always seem to be a lot happier when you're painting or drawing. Why don't you just do that for a little while? And I would. Yeah, it's no surprise I became an art therapist as part of my study as well, because I got it. So but that's all the, you know, opening up that state of flow is that, that being in that place where things just feel good. Your brain takes, you know, just takes a break from all the other stuff that's going on. So go back to that well, you know and a lot of the time for us as we are you know got to the adult world with all of the expectations and the, the shoulds and the musts and the haves twos and all those things we can forget about those things that made us feel like we were thriving when we were kids so you know so what do we like to do when we were five or six or ten you know in that perfect world when you had that little bubble and everything was wonderful for you that I, I, I like to believe, my Inspire Believer archetype, I like to believe that there is a place like that for every one of us, even if it was in, in our imagination. Yeah. So what was going on then? So that's a starting point. When it comes to then planning, I created a framework called the Effortless Success Planning Framework that I use for myself. I've used it for well over a decade in my business. And I do um, this with clients every quarter. I've got in my Thrive Factor Inner Circle membership, we do a planning session every quarter. Mm. Um, and it's focused on looking at four core areas to give us a holistic view of what to, what I guess, where to put our energy and where to put our intention and then about the choices we make. And, yes, it's about using your strengths in those, but we start with looking at those four quadrants. So they're all about growth, so business, wealth, expertise and self. So that's the way that the framework works. And it's about setting a maximum of three goals or three sort of focus or intentions in each of those quadrants only for that particular time frame. Yeah, there might be bigger goals and you then can break them down to smaller, more actionable monthly or weekly or daily tasks. But 
in doing that, it gives you space. You're looking at a holistic view of your life and your business because self is a quadrant that's in there. Yeah, you're looking at your business growth. You're looking at your wealth growth because I get really annoyed when business owners are out there and they're talking about making money, but they're not actually paying attention to all the money stuff. So true. Set money goals and all those sorts of things and then expertise so that we can look at our learning, but also looking at leveraging what we already know. What experience do we have? How are we letting people know that we actually are qualified? And I don't mean that in a have qualifications. I mean that in our experience that we've had and that we have worked with clients that we people have got good results or they've loved the product that they bought from us. How are we harnessing and making the most of that expertise? Interesting. So when we can look at that and it's a really simple framework. Mm-hmm. And that came that came out of me going looking at the you know downloading a business plan template from a government website and wanting to go to sleep for a year <laughs> like they're so boring they're so they're not engaging and I was like no I you know I want something that I can have on a single sheet of paper and stick it next to me in my office so I can see it all the time which again I know you've done enough research enough study around the counseling and the art therapy and mindset work and before my coaching training. So I knew that seeing things, setting good, clear, measurable goals and being able to see them regularly was actually important. I'm like, I'm not going to go through a, you know, 50 page document that really actually doesn't have any goals. It just is a, this is what my business stands for. And this is where I hope it is going to go one day. And this is, these are what my financials could look like. That wasn't it. I wanted it needed to be practical, easy to use and engage and to be holistic and to actually take me into consideration. I think one of the things I got quite shocked about in some regards was how much of an impact my business could have on my life and how much of an impact my life could have on my business when I started my business you know as employees I think we can we go to work we can come home and we can compartmentalize and pretty much leave work at work when you're a business owner when you're an entrepreneur that doesn't happen as much right you know and if you're having an an off day and you just can't function for whatever reason, you still pretty much show up to your, to your, you know, to your business. You know, you don't let clients down, you, you know, all those different things. You know, there's not someone to cover for you like there would have been perhaps in an, an employee type situation. And likewise, if your business is not functioning well, if you're not taking care of certain things, if you're not getting help, if you're not looking after your financials, you're not doing any business growth, that's going to affect you personally. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect your relationship with yourself. It's going to affect your um, your self-belief, your mindset, your confidence. It's going to potentially affect your relationships with your significant others. If you're not bringing money home and there's bills to be paid, you know, there's all these other stresses. So you've got to look after the business side of it, the business wealth and expertise, and you've got to look after the self as a, like, you know, they're all meshed together. Right. So That, that makes yeah. complete sense. And I... Uh, you're so right about the, it just doesn't stop. I was thinking I had, I had like a down week a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't move. Like I was just, I, I found out I'm way more empathetic than I knew I was. And I had a friend, she was in a crisis and it kind of like, it drained me. Yes. But I was like, I still have to, if I had been an employee, I'd be like mental health week, I'm taking it off. And just like, yes. You can't do that. Well, no. you can, you should, but there's still like shit still needs to get done. And that's right. That's right. You know, you take a vacation. Like I just had a week off recently and it was amazing and so needed. And I do it as regularly, regularly as I can. 
But at the same time, the administration and the other things that we do don't go away. And, you know, the, the cycle, like, so for example, um, I meet with my private one-on-one clients once a fortnight, like every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So if some of them were due to fall in that week I was away, then they all had to be like rescheduled to what ended up being the week after. So then that week's busier as soon as you get back and you're trying to embrace the spaciousness that your vacation gave you and then suddenly you're coming back to the most intense week you've had for months. So, you know, we, we just we, we shift stuff around to, you know, to support ourselves and others, but it is different. So it's not like, yeah, you, you're an employee, you take a week off and you come back and it just keeps flowing. <laughs> Being in business is very different. I wouldn't change it ever, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trade-off is way worth it, I feel. So, oh, so much. I want to talk to you about the expertise part of your planning quadrant. And mm. I know that there are people who are thinking, if they haven't started yet, that they're going to start their business in 2021. And yeah, okay. how do you recommend people handle the expertise area when they don't have the testimonials or the the yeah. verifiable word of mouth proof like how do you how do you recommend people handle that awesome question i love that you've asked me this i have a lot of conversations with people who say to me when we talk about the quadrant of expertise but i'm not an expert and i was like that's not what the quadrant says it doesn't say what are you an expert in it says what is your expertise which talks to your your any qualifications that you may have your lived experience your work experience in prior businesses or as an employee all of that counts. You know, year, a few years ago, I don't work a lot with male clients for no reason other than I just have more women attracted to, to, to work with me and the Thrive Factor Framework is a female-only model. But every now and again, I get to work with an amazing man and I had this guy working with me as a client a few years ago. He had moved to Australia with his family as British and in uh, the UK, he'd been a um, very senior member of the military had all these awards, like won all this incredible stuff. And he had come to Australia, he was working part-time somewhere and he was building a cons business consultancy, but in a very unique um, sort of space. And this is, that's why I'd come to, to get some support in some you know um, business coaching and consultancy and marketing strategy for me. And he was like, he wanted to deny that he'd had all this like say say it was like 20 something years experience he's like but that was in the military that's that doesn't count i was like no it does count so we had this very long-winded discussion back and forth for weeks on end about getting him to own the value of what he'd done previously because that was the expertise and no that may not mean that we actually have a tangible testimonial from someone but it does mean that we've got something of value to give so bringing that story in and sharing that with people is really important. So he was, you know, trying to get, you know, people to come on board and to invest in him in the corporate space so that he would come in as a consultant and do a lot of innovation. And he'd spent all this time working with teams to innovate, pivot, like, you know, pivot's one of the words of 2020, but, you know, this was like proper pivoting <laughs> way back when and resilience building and all those things. This is what he wanted to do in this sort of corporate space. He's like, oh, but that doesn't count. I was like, that's even more important that you've done that in such an intense environment in high level military operations than in a corporate office in the city. Like, you know, this right. is actually a value. And 
I said to him, in lieu of having testimonials in the traditional sense and the business sense, I said, can you get some people to write something for you about their experience of you? So like a character testimonial rather than a, a written testimonial from a, a work experience where they'd work with them. So that is one other way to do it. And I think the biggest step is the first step is owning your expertise and knowing that you have got something of value to bring to your clients at day one of your business and not forgetting whatever you've done right. beforehand. Even if you are, you know, just out of college and or as we call it university over here, that doesn't mean that you don't have lived experience and life experience that is of value to support you to make the claims that you're trying to make in terms of what you could do for clients or what your products could do. I love yeah. that. It's, and you're so right. It's so like, I think people get focused on the, Oh, I don't have people who can say things about me or like, yes, yeah. you do. You have, yeah, you do, you, you do. Professors or, or, you know, yes. Or, but I'm just a startup. I'm just new in business. That, that the whole other conversation about that is the pricing. Don't price because you just started business yesterday. Don't make it that, you know, if you've, again, if you've got, you could have come out of a, corporate career of 15 years doing something particular that you've now taken and you're making yourself a consultant in that same space. You've got 15 years of expertise gathered in there. Don't start and go, but I only started my business last month, so I'm charging at the newbie rate because I'm not, that's, that's your mindset and your confidence about money and wealth and your value. It's not relevant. <laughs> Love that. I want to talk more about that, but first, <laughs> can we talk about the 12 archetypes? Can, would you be willing to go into those? Yeah, I can at lightning speed because sure. there are 12 yeah. of them. <laughs> if you want more information, so, you have to go talk to Shannon about them. But yeah, yeah, yeah totally, totally. And I think that the link I've given you, Megan, to share with everyone yes. will take people to find out more information, certainly about profiling the archetypes, but also taking that single archetype assessment, which we call the Thrifactor Edge, where at least that's a starting point for people to get to know you know, one of their main archetypes and that tends to create a lot of interest for them. like, oh, I know one, now I want to know the rest of them. Like how many <laughs> have I actually got and what do they actually mean? And the way that I've defined the archetypes in my book, The Thrive Factor, is that we've got an introduction to each archetype and then we have the strengths and potential challenges as general strengths and general potential challenges for each archetype. And then I've shared in, um, an expression of what I call the four M's of momentum, mindset, marketing, money, and magnetism, so that we can again dig that deeper, particularly for, you know, women in business, but any woman could be a finest of value. I love a good alliteration. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just love to do it that way. So, okay. I tend to introduce the 12 archetypes in alphabetical order because that way I don't forget any of them. Because there's one little elusive one there in the middle that can sometimes go into hiding and that's actually part of the nature of that archetype. So the very first one that I will introduce you all to very briefly is the advocate rescuer. So the advocate rescuer is the, it's like that girlfriend that we all have that says yes to everything. She volunteers her time everywhere to every cause possible. It could be, you know, people, environment, animals, one, one or all three she's over committing herself all the time and then she comes to us and is like well I had to do it because no one else would and she can become like a real martyr and sometimes she can also become really needy with that she loves to be acknowledged and appreciated 
but can sometimes create a dynamic for herself where she doesn't necessarily do that very well because she jumps in and she does things for people and they can get really annoyed at that about it sometimes. She wants to be empowering but misses the whole mark that doing for people is not empowering. If you can lead by example, and this is the, the biggest gift for the advocate rescuer to give herself, is to learn the true definition of self-advocacy and learn to find her voice and to use that for good as opposed to doing it for people <laughs> and then getting resentful and annoyed by all of that. So, yeah, but the, she's sort of got the, um, the goddess Kuan Yin, the goddess of compassion. She's like it's that energy. It's beautiful, big, open-hearted. She can be very um, emotive and a real deep feeler, but that also can be one of her greatest strengths and one of her greatest challenges because she's, um, yeah, she just feels too much. She feels the weight of the world a lot of the time. So you know, not everyone can see this, but I can show you what she looks like. So every one of these archetypes has their own image as well so these are all in the in in my uh in my book so that's the uh the advocate rescuer the heroine adventurer is the second one of the 12 now she is a fierce independent warrior type woman so think like the whole wonder woman energy you know she wants to run in and save women and children and all that sort of stuff she loves the great outdoors and nature is her healing and her grounding and it balances out how fierce and independent she can be so when she is focused on a target, which is quite frequently because she likes to win, she can be perceived externally as very competitive. She will often say, I'm not that competitive, but to the outside world, she looks like she's the most competitive one of, you know, out. When she's so focused on the target, the goal or whatever it is that she's looking to achieve, she can become blinkered to the rest of the world. And it's like literally ignores people. And, you know, if she's a mother, the kids will be like, you know, mama, we're going to have dinner tonight and she's like no because I've got to get this project done like right now like it's so everything else just gets ignored self-care is a big challenge for the heroine adventurer and I will frequently say to heroine adventurers that I've profiled or that I'm working with to I would say say but I will suggest that they spend they literally schedule time that involves them being outdoors and I say if whether it is the ocean a river a lake mountains you know, trees, whatever it is, go and spend time with your feet in the earth or in water on a regular basis because that literally will ground you and help you to take away some of the intensity that you can have at different times. Um, Heron Adventures often have pet dogs and I actually think that's a part of that is because it's their, I guess, their, their inner internal innate knowing that, that having that type of a pet gets them outside gets them in nature that's fascinating yeah so that's the heroine adventurer the inspirer believer is the next one um so she's the I'll show you that was the heroine adventurer and this is the inspirer believer so the, she's got a fiery energy so in the image of the inspirer with lots of flames in the background it's as much the flames of inspiration as it is a warning about how quickly she can get burned or burnt out or burn herself out so it's the inspirer believer is the energetic archetype. She wants to be an inspiration in the world. She will frequently receive feedback to say that she is incredibly inspiring and often find that really uncomfortable to get that feedback. It's a really humble archetype. You're like, me, I'm not that in No, I'm not inspiring. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. And it's like, no, inspirer believers are special. They're, they're very, they're different and they do bring 
a lightness and an excitement to the world. I call them the cheerleaders. This is one of my four archetypes. I absolutely love my Inspire Believer. She is the motivation behind all the cheering I do for my clients, you know, all day, every day. I even bought some pom-poms recently because, like, everyone was like, you need some pom-poms. So I had to go and find some. So I could literally be like a cheerleader when I'm on calls with people. Love it. Um, yeah, which is really cool. You know, she's a, an archetype that, that often is very creative. She's intuitive. She needs to learn to trust your intuition, to work with her creativity in a positive way. Uh, and to really own the fact that she is an inspiration because the more than an inspired believer can be inspired by who she is, what she's creating and what she's putting out in the world, the more inspiration there is for everybody. So, you know, she, she this is the archetype and there's so many of us in the business world and I th- feel strongly that that is because we don't cope so well in a regular in work environment, you know, where we have to follow these guidelines and, you know, our excitement levels are not tolerated. Putting um, very nicely. You know, yeah, but we, you know, we we love platforms like Facebook and Instagram because we are sharing stories and images and quotes, and that's all the inspire believer energy. But yeah, can get burned out very quickly. We have this incredible gift for being able to see the good in others, and a huge desire for them to see it themselves, which again lends itself beautifully to coaching. However, not everybody really cares that we can see so much great potential in them. <laughs> that can be where we can burn ourselves out too. We'll feel really burnt out by people. And our experiences do so they, that seems do they rely on other people's feedback for that hey guys megan here how are your conversions doing are they maybe a little won't won't i am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow but there's a catch it's totally free but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, join my Facebook group. No, <laughs> joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing, it's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. No, not so much. No, no. I think that, you know, the, the Inspire Believer really needs to tune into herself for her own feedback about energy and what she's doing. Often she's not very good at doing that, uh, tuning into her own energy until there's that one time too many where she literally ends up unwell like having some sort of sickness so it's an archetype where I've often had women talk about having different health issues related to energy so they might have recurrent headaches or migraine they might talk about adrenal fatigue different things that from a physical and an emotional perspective that make them feel like they literally want to crawl back into bed you know Um, what I say that when an inspired believer can be it's like the high high and the low low uh, and when they're in that space of what I call the mojo-less moments where there's no mojo, there's no motivation, just want to, what's the point, why bother, like that sort of stuff, she can feel really out of character within herself because she's used to being, you know, having this beautiful, optimistic, realistic view of the world where she's a cheerleader and she can see the good and she wants to do good things and she puts a lot of energy and excitement into things so she can feel really challenged by the other extreme. So it's about learning to to read that and balance that out, definitely. 
Um, let me move on. So the liberator engineer is the next archetype. This is another one of my four archetypes. So I mentioned her a little bit before. So the liberator part is that she has a great love of and ability to create freedom for herself and others. Freedom is like everything for the liberator engineer. Uh, the engineer part is the fact that this archetype has an incredible gift for being highly analytical. She can see the big picture and she also understands all the moving parts of something. So she loves systems, frameworks, solutions, building things. I would suggest with your love of technology, you possibly have this archetype, Megan. Yeah. Sounds very familiar. Um, sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the one that sits behind my creating frameworks like this and all sorts of different things. I love creating all sorts of different processes and systems and things to do with my clients. All that, like, it's just an endless thing that I do. I spent a large part of my corporate career before I stepped into my business as a, as a senior project manager. So again, project plan, you know, the big picture and all the moving parts. I love building those plans. Mine were always colourful, which was a different thing entirely, not necessarily accepted. <laughs> but, you know, I love them and that was how, my, how it worked for me. So analytical, we, we, you know, we, there's a big lot of thinking goes on. This is a very intellectual archetype, picks up concepts and can really make sense of them very quickly. So there's a great intelligence in here, but there's also a deep intensity. This is an archetype that feels as well. And she can get to the point where if she's not taking care of her own freedom, which she can get, you know, the complexity of the engineer can over can go from a, I feel quite free to, oh, no, I don't know, that feels terrible and I feel like I've trapped myself in. She's not taking care of that. She can either implode and, again, have issues with illness or explode. And that what that can look like is I always say it's, it's volcanic in nature. It can literally be like I just, you just stand and you just scream or you just want to break something and then it's all over and you feel good. <laughs> it's like the pressure cooker going off. Often those types of things are only shared with our nearest and dearest. So the people we live with and that we feel safe to express in that way because to the outside world, most liberator engineers look like they're pretty cool and calm and they got all their, you know, got all their shit together and they're all good. So, but that, that intensity can be going on, um, which is an interesting thing. Again, it can feel really strange. It's like I, I just had to let that out. I don't know where that came from. But, yeah, liberator engineer. That's okay. a little too close to home for me. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I had a feeling that was one of your archetypes. Very, very interesting. But, yeah, I, I have it. I know it. I love it. I've learned to love it, but I've also have spent a lot of time working with my with this archetype for myself in really tuning into my freedom and tuning into all the little flags that come up that say, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't, we're not going the right direction here. I know I spent a large part of my teenage years at high school with recurrent migraine, like the headaches would be so frequent. And I feel now in retrospect, now I know about all of this, that was my body taking over and saying, you need a break. Like you, you know, you're, you're academic and you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that and you're trying to achieve too much and you, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not doing anything that's creative, which is actually a big important thing for me to be doing. And I think my liberator engineer was orchestrating a break for me every month. That is so <laughs> yeah. fascinating. I, I too in high school had migraines and it's, yeah, what it, this is just a story that um, I was in the gifted programs in high school, which, yeah, but I would get really terrible grades. I would get like C's and D's and my teachers would say to my mom, like, she's not being challenged. She's just bored with all of this. And yes. it's like, 
So yes. this is all so crazy. This is wow. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I can see a liberator engineer. <laughs> I spotted you. <laughs> <laughs> so mediator diplomat is the next one. So the mediator diplomat often finds herself in the middle of things. Um, she's very practical, very grounded, very matter of fact about the way she approaches the world. This is the no nonsense archetype. And like even earlier today, I was on a call with some women who just finished a program with me called Magnetism, which is really about embodying your archetypes for more visibility in your business. And she has four really intense archetypes that are really, um, she thinks a lot, she does a lot, she's the, and then she's got the inspire believer archetype. But she doesn't get, she couldn't get the whole excitable, energetic aspect of the inspired believer. And it was definitely influenced by the mediator diplomat, who's a bit like the, as another friend, a client of mine and friend of mine now has said, oh yeah, that mediator diplomat's like the fun killer. She takes all the good, all the good stuff out of my life because she's so practical and so matter of fact, I've got to make sure all these things work. But she's just also the archetype of the truth teller. So if something is not fair, right, just or equal in her world or the world of someone else, someone she knows or the world at large, she wants to do something about that. So she's she's all about let's we're going to right those wrongs. That's not okay. So she can be very yes, very practical, very matter of fact, got to sort things out, and can be very black and white in a world and find herself feeling like she doesn't know how she sort of fits, even though she's the mediator and the diplomat, and she's able to be the conduit between two parties and come up with a solution, she also can find that she doesn't quite fit because there's so many of us in the world, as I say, waft in the grey. We're not black and white. We're not as direct as a media diplomat can be. So it's a really interesting interesting archetype. It's relatively common. I find a lot of women in business and I sort of theory behind that is that, again, they didn't cope so well being in the employee world because they weren't able to use their voice and to take action on the things that were important to them, whereas they can use their their business as a vehicle. In fact, it's important that they do use their business as a vehicle for those things that they want to shine the truth on, you know, shine the light of truth on. Yeah. Um, also, no, there's incredible listening skills. So people love to spend time with her because they know that she will listen to them and they'll feel heard. So she can find herself, again, in the middle, mediator, diplomat. The mentor teacher is the next archetype. Again, common archetype I find a lot in women in business. The mentor teacher has a huge love of learning. It is formal learning, going and doing courses, programs, getting qualifications, but we also love to learn. So I say we because this is one of my archetypes. We love to learn the lessons life has to offer us. Yeah, so whatever that is, we just want more learning, more and more and more and more things. The important thing for a mentor teacher to, there's key things for her to really acknowledge it's about implementing what she learns, taking action on the learning, but also acknowledging that she uh, arrives on this earth with an incredible wisdom. So mental teachers come here knowing stuff already. And we can often spend our lifetime trying to prove what we innately know. <laughs> and this is where that whole, yes, we love learning, but we've got to go and get a qualification, have a piece of paper to prove something that we actually innately know. So I love working with mentor teachers around them really embodying and really trusting the knowing and listening to that internal wisdom and teaching because teaching has got to be a part of their business. Teaching from that place of wisdom, not, well, look at all the qualifications I've got to prove. If they're doing that, that's telling me that they're not trusting their wisdom. But they're incredible guides for transformation. People 
come to mentor teachers because we know things and if we don't know we will go on the journey with them to find out because we want to know if someone's asked for something we don't know we don't know we'll need to find out so yeah so again fabulous archetype uh, the mother nurturer is the next one so the mother nurturer archetype is much as i guess you can come up with an idea or an image of what a mother nurturer is about this is that you know that woman that she often does have a family if she doesn't have an actual literal family of her own her business may be like the thing that she's mothering she may um like i know a lot of mother nurturers that have not had their own children even though they wanted to and they end up fostering or adopting kids like this you know or they go and volunteer in a, in a place where there's lots of children so they love to have children around them they love to have family and they will take anyone that they have some interaction with and feel akin to and those people become part of their family, whether it's a blood relation or not. They just approach the world like a big hug. That mothering aspect of them can also sometimes be very smothering. And my mum has this archetype and I was describing to my niece last year, Ruby, who was, she's 15, and she was trying to get this sense of, well, what, you know, what, does, what do you mean when you say nanny is a mother nurture? And I said, you know how sometimes we feel like we're, we're just like there's, we're loved too much? And she goes, yeah. And I said, that's it. She goes, oh, you know, it's like she got that whole, yeah, I feel that. Like, and I said, and it feels a bit too much, like you're being smothered. She goes, yes. I said, yeah, that's the mother nurturer. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got very independent archetypes. So there's some interesting dynamics of my mum trying to hold me in and keep me close and safe growing up. But mother nurturers love to have, yeah, all their perceived family, their literal and perceived family around them. They love to feed them. They love to support them and really understanding the family dynamic and how important family is is critical for them to do that in their business as well they're not don't tend to be good at self-care they can spend a lot of time doing a lot of but it's all for the family it's for this or for that or whatever else so self-care is a really key thing so for a number of years i would for example in a birthday or a, a holiday time i will take my mum somewhere and do something like go to the spa or do something with her where she stops and she looks after herself as opposed to buying her something. Yeah. So changing the dynamic of the gift there. Ah, we're getting there. Networker connector is the next one. <laughs> I told you there's 12 of them. This is a big conversation. This is fascinating. Oh, I love this. Thank big, you for big sharing. Episode, big episode for you. So the networker connector is that friend that we all have that knows everybody. You know, we've always known someone who knows, seems to know everyone. If they don't know everyone, the person that we want to meet they know someone who knows them <laughs> like that's the sort of thing um the network connector is also a social butterfly she loves being out and about she's often is very extroverted or perceived to be very extroverted she can be very disconnected from herself that's all about the superficial and the outside world and can be really disconnected and find it really uncomfortable to spend time with herself doing nothing you know it's like it's all about the next invitation to the next thing uh, she loves and has a real gift for connecting other people. So, for example, if we're talking about she's going to an in-person networking event, it's like she'll walk into the room and scan the space and go, well, who do I know? Who's here that I don't yet know but I want to know? And who can I connect together? And they just love, they have this ability just to go, I that person needs to meet that person. They just make that happen. They also find that a lot of people like to have them around because of who they know. And they people will come to them looking for introductions and they'll usually do those quite freely. When it comes to them actually benefiting from their incredible, valuable network themselves, they can find that really uncomfortable 
and be really unsure about that you know and I was having again conversation recently with a network connector who's in my membership and she's you know she's about to publish her second book and she was struggling with um, some promotional aspect of it and she would yet weeks previously she'd been telling me about this person she knows who was a real influencer locally and I said well why don't you reach out to her and talk to her about something and you know getting her to share your upcoming book launch with her community and she goes I could never do that like classic networking connector it's like how many times has this woman come to you and ask you to do something she goes oh, all the time and I went there you go ask her the worst she can say is no but if you don't ask it's always no so that's a networking connector all right so we've got four more to go we're hanging in there <laughs> I'm loving every minute of this. This is so fascinating. What okay. I know a lot of is that it, a, a lot of the weaknesses, or not the weaknesses, but a lot of the, the challenges these women might have is either external praise or internal. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And, you know, every one of them has their own version of lack of self-care, but it's mm -hmm. lack of self-care in different aspects. So, you know, every one of them has a belief pattern that's I'm not something enough, like the I'm not enough, but there's key, the, there's a word that goes in there before that for each of them as well. Um, so the pioneer seeker is the next one. So the pioneer aspect of the pioneer seeker speaks to the fact that she is the woman of first. She go out, goes out there, like we talk about marketing terminology, the early adopter, that's a pioneer seeker. They, you know, they're doing something and you go to your friend who's a pioneer seeker and go, I just discovered this really cool thing. And she go, I did that four years ago, you know. <laughs> That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean it's new? Like, yeah, that that's old news. And pioneers, you know, they've been there, they've done it, they've tried it. They do not like conforming. This is the disruptor archetype who likes to push the boundaries. And if someone says do it this way, she's definitely not going to do it that way. Not a chance. Even if she can see and she's got other archetypes that are supporting her to know that that path or that process or that thing could be really useful, just on principle she won't unless she did it first. <laughs> so when I launched Thrive Factor School last year and I did the, the first um, group of students for the certification in Thrive Factor profiling, there were two pioneer seekers and a visionary creator of the four first four students ever in that program. And both of the pioneer seekers in their application interview said to me, if I don't get in this time, I'm not doing it. Like, you know, because if I'm not first, I don't, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And they, they were so just blunt about it. That's yep, completely blunt about it. And thank goodness I knew they're, what their archetypes were. So I was <laughs> prepared for that. Yeah. Um, other things about pioneer seekers, yeah, they disrupt, they can be very cheeky and have a really sassy part of them. Sometimes, though, that can go, it's like a fine line between being cheeky and playful and actually being quite offensive. <laughs> they can offend a lot of people. Some of the more sensitive archetypes like Mother Nurtures and Advocate Rescuers can find the Pioneer Seeker way too much, yeah? And it's like the Pioneer Seeker can sort of suss them out in a group and go, oh, that's easy prey. They're going to be fun to play with and, like, just toy. They don't do it to be mean and to be spiteful, but it just sort of happens. It's inherent. And that's often... Yeah, and that's often too because they're bored. They're bored with the status quo. They don't want to be sitting in a room full of everyone doing the same thing over and over. They're just so bored by that. Now, the seeker aspect of the pioneer seeker is speaks to the fact that the pioneer seeker is looking to belong in the world. She wants to be original and unique and in, independent, but she also really wants to belong. So she's going out there literally externally looking for all of the treasure in the world and all the great things that make her who she is. 
and the, it says that, you know, on the bottom of all the, the images, there's a little message. And for the Pioneer Secret, it says, look within for the treasure. Yeah, her natural instinct is to go external. This one really needs to go internal. And in fact, this is the one archetype that's the, I'm, I'm not good enough for this one. Yeah, it's a big limiting belief pattern. No. But she's fun. She's fun <laughs> to have around. She will challenge you. She'll disrupt you. She'll break things. Um, one of my um, yeah, graduate profilers that was in that first cohort of students in the certification, the pioneer seeker and a liberator engineer. So that liberator, the engineer was always engineering things and we just give Jenny any piece of software and guaranteed if someone's going to break it, she will. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they can be good for that. They could be good to test things. Okay, so the queen ruler is the next one we talk about. So the queen ruler, this is the regal archetype, much as her name suggests. She has incredible leadership potential. She often wants to lead on a very large scale, whether she does that or not is a whole other thing, but she has the potential and the ability to lead on a very large scale. So a lot of the entrepreneurial women out there that talk about empire building and having masses of followers, it's queen ruler energy. There's a lot of them in the entrepreneurial world, but it's also the women that are out there at like top of corporations and those sorts of things. They like to have a lot of people around them. They like to outsource. In fact, they tend to outsource as much as they can of their life and their business and their work. Yeah, because the queen has subjects, essentially. <laughs> you know, they love beauty. They're often great designers. So they, their home and their work environment, they, it's very palatial. It doesn't mean that it's it's large or like a palace as such, but it is beautiful. It's organised. The queen ruler likes the very best of everything. So quality is important to her. Now, that doesn't mean she's materialistic. She would much rather have fewer things to have the very best of something. Yeah. And so she can be incredibly compassionate as a leader. She can also get caught in her ego. So the ego thing is the thing to be aware of. If a queen ruler feels threatened by anything, anyone, whether it be a single person or an organisation or something, she can be very quick to make a decision and execute that thing or person or whatever from her life. It's like, no, I'm done and move on. So she can make decisions quickly and tend to do those without emotion. Yeah, which can leave some people going, what just happened? I thought we were friends last week and the Queen Rulers decided that doesn't, you don't have a place anymore in her, her life. Wow. Sounds callous, but it, it's true. You know, I talk, I have a lot of Queen Rulers in my network, a lot of friends who are Queen Rulers, um, which is interesting because the Liberator Engineer archetype, that freedom of the Liberator has a gift for being able to see straight through ego. And Sometimes liberator engineers and queen rulers don't get on so well because queen rulers don't get what it is and it's that we literally as liberator engineers we can see through their ego. So I know I had lots of interesting, interesting with air quotes, experiences when I was in corporate with different queen ruler women um, and I never knew why. This is long before I, I created this and now I'm like, oh, now I get it. I was just a threat to them and they didn't know why. So, yeah, but we, once queen rulers can work us out and they know that we're actually there to support them, mm -hmm. they, they can be cool and I've you know got one really good friend of mine now who say to me frequently one of the best things about you is the fact you're you're a liberator engineer because when I can't work something out I just get you to do it you can see <laughs> I just get you which I push back to her now and say no you know I will give you some help but I want to know the evidence that you've tried first <laughs> so yeah so she do, and she would joke regularly about I'll never execute you you're too important and valuable to me like, and as a friend and she goes yes of course as a friend <laughs> so yeah but they you know they like they want the red carpet experience all the time that's just how they are and they can 
uh, they, you know, they, they interact with the world with this sense of, of presence and importance. And sometimes that can be too ego driven. Sometimes it's just a, a, like, you know, I, this is good. You know, and they can be incredibly fascinating women to be around. I love watching them in business when they own the queenly part of themselves and what they can do with that. You know, and, and for all the times that they'll say, oh, no, I don't really want to build a, a big following or I don't, they do. You know, they, they do. They really do. <laughs> okay. So the shapeshifter alchemist, the second last one that we're going to talk about of the 12, uh, she is the chameleon of the archetype. So the shapeshifter talks to the fact that she's incredibly fluid and flexible and adaptable. She chops and changes herself she could often get really lost in who she is and lost in her place in the world because well who would you like me to be today you know I'll just show up and I'll just be so fluid that I just I don't know who I am um which is a really interesting thing to see in business how that can show up in business is having multiple businesses or so many different aspects to the different things that they that they do in business that the audience out there so you and I as the potential market for what they're selling is like I don't know what she actually does or last week, she, I'm sure she was doing that last week and now she's doing this. And, you know, and those two things are so far apart that there's a doubt in our mind about the credibility of who she is and what she can do, even though she probably is amazing at all of those things. So, the, you know, the phrase multimodal or, you know, having lots of different arms to your business and all those sorts of things, multi, what, multi-potentials, multi-faceted, you know, you know all those different strange phrases that come up all the time that means that you do a lot of stuff and you've got a lot of lot of tools to your belt. A lot of women that are in the healing and health and wellness space often have this archetype as well, I find. And again, they'll have, you know, they'll have they'll be a meditation teacher, they'll be a yogi, they'll be a Reiki, they'll do this. So, you know, those they've got fifty things and then they do this on the side. You know, that's <laughs> the sort of shape of your alchemist. They are mystical and magical. People find them very elusive and they love the fact that people can't quite pin them down and work out who they are. They can often really glorify that, which is not necessarily a good thing because in business we need to be clear about who we are and to be able to convey that and communicate that really clearly to people. And, you know, in our marketing we can't be 500 versions of the same person, you know. We've got to give people a chance to build no like and trust and if we're chopping and changing all the time that's not going to happen. Now the alchemist part of this archetype speaks to the fact that she is a gift for manifesting manifesting everything so if she's not clear about who she is and grounded and focused on what she wants in the world she can end up manifesting things that she would say are the really bad experiences and i have worked with women who are just like i hate this archetype because all i do is have crap happen in my life and so again we work with mindset we work on reframing things we work on getting them really clear about what they actually want and working to do things to support that so they can then turn the alchemist on in the best possible way and you know be the master manifester and then they'll go yeah oh my god that just happened you know without even hardly thinking about it i put the intention out there and it just came to life this is the one archetype that women that don't have it tend to be envious of because they want that manifester <laughs> it's like i want to do that i want that gift uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah the magic for a shapeshifter alchemist is a really important part of this archetype and it's incredibly important that a, the a, any shapeshifter alchemist has as much magic in her day as possible. Now that's magic by her own definition. And when I use that phrasing with a shapeshifter alchemist, they always get it like, oh yeah, I love magic. You know, whereas I'll say that to another archetype, like a media diplomat who's not also a shapeshifter alchemist, and they'll go, magic? 
that's not well you don't do magic no it's really, <laughs> anyway. magic no yeah, yeah it's not magic what's magic well, no, i don't know what that is that's not scientific that's not you know it's not practical um <laughs> the queen rulers can also sometimes unless they show you true alchemist queen rulers can sometimes be like oh magical that's not very regal you know <laughs> you get a get a shapeshifter alchemist queen ruler and she's the magical queen you know so so i say to shapeshifter alchemist be clear on what makes you feel magic or what feels magical to you and put as much of that into your days and weeks and months and years as you can that will help to help you be grounded in all that you are and keep your alchemist working for you positively yeah Ah, big deep breath. Lucky last one, the visionary creator. So this is the fourth of my four archetypes. It's not one that I see very commonly in women in business. So you're going to remember that like, I've profiled five, six hundred women now over all these years, and majority of them have been women in business. So it's not to suggest that this archetype's not common in the world, but not in the business community of women that I have profiled. So the the visionary creator has an incredible gift for vision. And when I say that, it's that she is a visionary thinker. So like the pioneer seeker who was very innovative and wanting to do things first, the visionary creator is not only the one who does that, but it takes the pioneer seeker gift of, of the being innovative to a whole different level. Visionary creator sees into the future and is very futuristic in the way she interacts with um, the world, essentially, and can struggle to stay in the here and now. So. I use my other archetypes, particularly the mentor teacher and the libretto engineer who can be very grounded to help anchor this archetype in. The creator part of the visionary creator is a gift for turning those visions into reality. Yeah, so again, I use the creator part to ground me and to keep me present in this moment. Yeah, because sometimes I'm just daydreaming off into the world. Well, what can we do now? What can we bring to life next? So it can sometimes be a challenge because there is a constant creative process going on in the brain. Um, the Another way for a visionary creator to ground herself, much like the Shakespeare Tree Alchemist uses magic, the visionary creator is, is important that she does some form of creative expression or artistic expression. So my painting that I've done my whole life, that was me grounding this archetype. Interesting. I don't do it enough, but it's, it is important. And I do know that if I get to a point where I'm, not trusting what I know, which is not trusting my vision, where I get clear, where, sorry, where I'm lacking clarity and I can't see, I get very frustrated. My liberator engineer wants to have a meltdown every now and again. <laughs> I know that if I just literally go and I spend time even just getting a, a coloured pencil and just colouring in for a bit, it's just going to bring me all back to centre. Yeah? Interesting. Also a very strategic archetype, very good with business um just you know she just processes information in a sort of strategic visionary way so again this is an archetype when people get to know that i have this there's all sorts of weird and wonderful things that have happened one of my favorites and it happens frequently is someone will come and they'll book a session or they'll want to have a conversation with me and they're like tell me what you can see is possible for my future <laughs> like i'm not a fortune teller that's not what this is about but trust me, if I get a sense, vision, like a, a sense of what's possible for you, I will share it with you. I don't, I don't hold back on that, you know, even if I'm sort of a paying client, if I get a sense of what's possible. Mm -hmm. And I love that this with the inspired believer who then gets to be the excited cheerleader can really give people that sense of confidence. You know, it gives it, well, I guess it creates the dynamic and holds the space for them to build their own confidence to go, yeah, you know what, I could try that. Yeah, I could do that. Yes, I want to do that. Hmm. So I love the, those, the combination of those archetypes together has been such a, a gift for me and a joy for the way that I work with my clients. That's 
I love. I, I see myself in so many of them. It's yes. So well, you probably have the shapeshifter as well, Megan. Definitely. The fact that you have coloured hair like you do, <laughs> shapeshifters. That's one clue for anyone who's out there in the world and is not really sure. If someone likes to colour their hair or likes fancy dress or, mm-hmm. you know, chops and changes or literally has different wardrobes depending on whether they're meeting their family or their friends or their you know, work colleagues, yeah, yeah shapeshifter. It's so interesting. <laughs> and I can yeah. make total sense. So you said that, you know, you've, you've profiled over 600 women and yeah. on average, if I'm getting this right, on average people have, up to four archetypes is that right yeah no they tend to they, t- they tend to be four or five so okay. if if a woman has the shape future alchemist she'll have she probably will have five archetypes mm. possibly six Interesting. Yeah? so because of the chameleon nature of her she's she's got a, a more complex dynamic in her personality right do you yeah. think that on average yeah. these work in harmony with each other or they combat are they combative or is the goal to be in harmony with all of them? The goal is to be in harmony. Now that's not always going to happen. What I say when I'm profiling and in the early time of working with someone with that, with a woman with her profile and her archetypes, I would say, look at them like your new bunch of best girlfriends. Sometimes you're going to get on and it's going to be great harmony and some lots of fun, lots of partying, lots of, you know, all the, all the good vibes. And then someone's going to feel left out or someone's going to want to go and do something different, mm. you know, and there's going to be a little bit of disharmony. So within, and this, this makes so much sense to me now thinking about too on all the psychology study and all the work I did when I was studying therapy and counselling that, you know, we often can feel like there's parts of us within that don't get on or they're like clashing together. This is like the different parts of us by the nature of the different archetypes. Mm. So say, for example, my inspirer believer can get so excited about what my visionary creators just decided we're bringing to life next that I can burn myself out. Oh, I see. Yeah? yeah. And then my liberator engineer feels terrible because I'm not feeling free when I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my mental teacher can stop actually trusting her wisdom and think oh that's right that's okay we just need to go and learn a new thing and then we'll be all good uh, so it, it just yeah. like landslides yeah Interesting. but when i am embodied in my wisdom when i am using my engineer to create freedom when i am owning the inspiration that i create when i am using my creative part of my of me to keep my vision clear and strong where we got harmony we're in our effortless success zone mm-hmm. yeah so there's yeah there's archetypes that naturally get on better there's archetypes that naturally clash and yes we could have those within us interesting that's so funny and i i think i know the answer to this already but (laughs) (laughs) when do you recommend people come to you for this as early as possible no (laughs) yeah yeah as i said you know anyone who's just curious at this point in time go yeah follow the link that i know that megan you you'll share on the show notes that will take them to take the the for that first step assessment of the thrive to edge if they want to really truly get to know this um their archetypes then they can certainly book a profiling session with myself or one of the graduate profilers so which these ladies are incredible i wouldn't have let them even come in to do the certification if they weren't and they'll all bring something slightly different so you know on the profiler pay on their listing on the thrive factor website which is the thrivefactor.com you will see some of their interests. So like, you know, Caroline, for example, has a money interest. So 
the Thrive Factor Profile Debrief will have a money mindset sort of influence to it. You know, Jenny loves leadership. Kim is into mindset transformation. Karen does a whole lot of different amazing, you know, transformational work. You know, Elle's um, does stuff with it. She's a business, um, online business manager and is very systematic. And, you know, so they've all got different interests in their businesses. And some of them work with women in business. Some of them work with women. So, you know, they've all got different backgrounds. Um, and if anyone wants to take it even deeper, as I said, the Thrive Factor profiling or knowing your archetypes is the first step in every single thing that I do. So if you like, want to come and look for, see what the latest program or work that I'm doing or consider joining the Thrive Factor Inner Circle as my membership, you will get to know your, you, you have to know your archetypes. So you're just not part of the conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's lots of different ways, but, you know, as early as possible because this is another, this is a tangible tool based in, psycho, you know, all on, on psycholo psychological principles, right. archetypal psychological principles that will give you so much value to knowing who you are and being able to rely on that so that you can build your confidence, you can build resilience, you can get clear on who you are, you can make better decisions, you can make those choices that help you to be in your effortless success zone by using your strengths. Okay. And then when the challenges come up, yeah. you're like, oh, that's okay, that's just part of who I am. Wow. So one of the biggest words that women have, have shared with me in feedback when they've been profiled is this was, it was sort of came in an increasing wave around the time that I published the Thrive Factor book. And this is the second book that I've published on this, but the first one is no longer in print because the Thrive Factor book, you know, just the other one didn't need to be out there in the world anymore. <laughs> this was the bigger, the Bible as someone called it. But the word permission was the word that came up again and again in feedback. And it was like, I feel like I've got permission to be me. I feel like I've got permission next time that thing happens that I thought was what was broken or wrong with me. I've got permission to go, that's who I am. That's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. It's part of who I am, like all that sort of stuff. So that to me was such a, such a gift to hear that word again and again, you know, to sit and have, you know, the privilege of sitting across from a woman and while she's got tears coming down her, her cheeks and I'm saying, what's going on? And she's like, I actually like myself because oh. she's seen herself, yeah, for a whole, in a whole new light all of a sudden. That's going to be cry. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, know. I know. So this sort of stuff. So it's just, you know, I, that, I will never tire of that. You know, I, I am literally on a mission to change the way that women interact with themselves in the world. Um, I don't take this gift that I've been given to bring this forward lightly and that's why I started Thrive Factor School and the certification I want to train as many women as I can around the world in, you know, to become profilers so that we can, you know, I, I have, you know, like we talk about what's your Myers-Briggs, you know, profile yeah. or what's your this or what's your that. I want women at some point in the world, maybe beyond my lifetime, I don't know, but I want them to, you know, bump into each other in the street and talk about their Thrive Factor archetypes, just like it's common language. And for younger women to have this too, like I've said, I've got nieces who are in their teens mid mid sort of teens 14 and nearly 16 and i i've been talking to them about their archetypes since they were little and they just know how to approach the world differently because of it that's beautiful and yeah. so healthy <laughs> yes yes exactly we don't have to keep keep you know perpetuating the way that we all grew up and didn't have support and you know, just literally a couple of weeks ago my mum has been uh, um doing a, a, tr a trip and she was away with there was I think she said there was like 12 participants and there was a couple that ran this it was like an overland thing on a little mini mm. coach 
Um, where I'm based in the world, we're very lucky that we've got, thank goodness, little of the virus. And yes. you know, our state our state border is closed, so we can travel within our state. And so she was away and she messaged me. It was like the second last day before she was there, we're wrapping up the trip. And she's like, I need to talk to you. And it's like this real urgency. And, you know, she's a mother nurturer and she's also a queen ruler, So I do call her the queen mother. So you don't, you know, you don't, ignore the, yeah, you don't, you don't ignore the queen mother. Um, so, and I was like, why, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she goes, nothing's wrong. I just need to try and get to understand the archetypes of this woman who's running this trip. And I was like, what do you mean? Firstly, I was in shock because... This is like 10, 11 years I've been working with this. And that's the first time she said to me, I need to understand the archetypes of this woman. And it was in a good way. And I said, well, why, what's going on? She goes, well, she's really upset a lot of people and I can't work out why. And I was telling some of the other ladies that you have this thing that helps helps women to understand themselves and helps us to understand each other. So I was going to check with you and see if we could work out what she could be. And within mum describing to me a couple of the key behaviors that she'd been witnessing for the last 10 days of this particular woman who was one of the leaders um we were able to work out potentially two or three of her archetypes now two of those three potential archetypes ones that my mum has and mum said to me oh I don't find her like that at all but everyone else she's pissed everyone else off in this way and this way and this way and I was like the thing that that why it doesn't can it doesn't disconnect with you is because you have those same archetypes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mum's like, it's been bizarre. Like, as she's known, she's annoyed people. She's come to me and sort of, you know, sort of talked to me and like I was a, an, an ally. And I said, yeah, because she's recognizing parts of herself in you. Mm. But the, you know, so I was like, it was a beautiful experience. But firstly, I had to get over the shock of mum actually <laughs> asking me finally. I was like, oh, it's only took over a decade of me talking about this. But yes, we've got it. Oh. And so yeah that's amazing that's oh, i have we'll so there. i have so many questions for you and but we're running, <laughs> we're running out of time and i i i'm fascinating i'm just amazed by all of this but where can people reach you if they have more questions okay so the easiest way to do that is certainly to follow the link that i have given you which is i think it's all my links forward yep. slash Shannon. yeah you've got that one to share with everybody um that is probably the easiest way to go to to jump in onto that but other key places i like to spend time online i love instagram and my main profile where i also do talk a lot about the thrive factor is shannon underscore the thrive factor mm. yeah mm. and uh on facebook if you follow the thrive factor page and if you are a woman in business and you want to join a group, I know there's a lot of groups out there, but, you know, if you feel drawn to be more a part of this sort of conversation, then magnetic business growth is the way that you'll find me. So all those links are on that main link that you've got to share with everyone, Megan. So, yeah, but, you know, Google the Trifactor, you'll find it. My book's available. You know, if you're in Australia New Zealand, directly from me, uh, anywhere else in the world, Amazon, Book Depository, anyone in the UK, so easily available. So. You know, the thrive factor you shouldn't find anything else under that <laughs> i've dominated dominated that, that phrasing you carved your space yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> is there anything else that you think people should know before we end today i think the one of the key things that i really want women to really embody for themselves is that you can thrive in whatever way works for you so get clear on what your definition of thriving is and then be committed to like make a declaration to whoever you need to make it to but most definitely to yourself that you were going to do what you can to support yourself to thrive 
because when you do that, everyone around you will thrive. Beautiful. Keep it up. Thank you, Shannon. Hey guys, one more thing before you go. Could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it.